Hi, this is Dave Williams. I first met Andy Ludlam in 2001. I had just been hired at KFWB in Los Angeles, News 980, to uh, be a, an anchor and an inside reporter. Andy was the news director, and he was a great one. He was a good guy, which is, I think, what most people notice of their boss, whether or not he's a good guy. And, but he was also just an excellent news director. He knew his business inside and out. And the thing that, that I will always think about with Andy is that he was a firm professional, and yet he could switch hats and become a smiling buddy without, without missing a beat. And, he never, and, and they never overlapped. You know, when he was being the boss, he was the boss. I respected him. I like him. I'm really happy to have talked with him. How long have you been retired, Andy? Nine years. Nine years? Really? Yep, yep. I retired at the end of uh, 2014. Wow. That's amazing. I had no idea it had been that long. Well, um, since then, what has been, uh, has radio played any part in your life whatsoever? I mean, uh, apart from working on a day-to-day basis, do you listen to the radio at all? You know, actually, I don't. <laughs> I don't that much. Yeah, um, you know, I obviously I don't have an hour long plus commute anymore into Los Angeles. And the furthest I go is to Ventura, which is about a half mile north of my house. I mean, a half hour north of my house. And, uh, you know, it's an, it's an easy commute, so I don't need traffic. And, um, and, and for the most part, I'll listen to uh, podcasts and, uh, and I don't listen to, uh, you know, terrestrial radio, even our, you know, even our, our past stations. Um, yeah. so. Well, I think that's, that's probably a common thread that we're going to find here. And certainly it's true. It's true for me, even though I'm still in the business, I'm still, you know, I'm still it going. Up, it pops up on the radio, uh, you know, in the, on, but primarily in the car. Yeah. I, I don't have any radio. I mean, I have, I guess one sitting in the corner is an emergency radio, but I basically don't have radios to listen to in the house. I'll, I'll listen on smart speakers. And uh, if, if, if I really want to listen to a radio station. Is that, uh, is that a result of uh, technological changes and advancements and uh, programming options? Well, I have always, I, I live uh, in, in Ventura County, you know, north of Los Angeles and I was always in a place where I didn't really get the Los Angeles signals that well. You know, it was, it was always kind of marginal. So I was an early adopter of Internet radio. Uh, but those are kind of a pain to use compared to uh, the smart speakers. So once, once they came out, it, you know, it's pretty easy to say, uh, you know, play KNX News or something like that. And, oh, at least I didn't say the A word and have it go <laughs> off. But... Uh, you know, then I could, you know, actually start it up, and it's 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 so easy and, and simple. So, and of course, my my grandkids probably got me interested in it. So, <laughs> I, I forgot to, I forgot to ask you the, the, a primary question here. This will I won't probably uh, use your answer as you as you give it. I want to do it as part of the introduction for you. Is I need uh, just to give me a quick rundown of your resume. I started in uh, 1975 at a. A family-owned station that was evolving into becoming a news talk station in San Jose, uh, California, KXRX. 
And I worked there as a reporter and an editor and an announcer and, uh, for five or six years. And uh, in 1979, my, my boss and mentor, Vic Bremer, uh, invited me to go with him to Cairo in Seattle as his managing editor. And it was a great time because that was yeah. the beginning of Cairo's at least two-decade domination of the market there. So it was a really fun and exciting station to work at. In um, 1984, the big corporate boss offered me a promotion, which was my first program director's job at the company's uh, news talk station in Kansas City, KMBZ. And... Uh, Within two years, we built that station up to number one in the market. We acquired the world champion Kansas City Royals at the time. And uh, I uh, also served as the program director for our easy listening FM station, which was KMBR, which I knew nothing about. But uh, it's a it's a long, weird story. But uh, in 1987, I returned to Cairo um, as uh, director of news and programming. Uh, eventually I became the vice president of news operations for Cairo AM, FM, and television and ran a 160 member combined news department. Um, I left Cairo in 1993. I went to King AM in Seattle, which was a talk station. I didn't last long because it got sold in 1994. Uh, my wife and I wanted to move back to uh, Los Angeles because we had a daughter who was um, getting ready to start college. And I, I think the university system here in California is, uh, is, is excellent. So we wanted to kind of reestablish residency. Uh, so I took a job as the Southwest Regional Director of Operations for Metro Networks which you'll remember provided news and sports and traffic reports for radio and television stations. And I worked primarily in LA and San Diego. Uh, But I, you know, that was more of a sales job than I liked. And I kind of found that uh, I missed working at a radio station. So in 1996, I became the program director at KABC and KMPC in Los Angeles uh, in 98, I moved to the legendary news station KFWB, which as a news station lives only in legend now, <laughs> Los Angeles. And I would spend the next 16 years there in uh, a number of roles, including program director. And in 2009, while I was still program director of uh, KFWB, I became the program director at KNX. And so I served in both those roles until I retired. And I had, I had no idea that, and this is just kind of a side comment. It may not make it into the final, final cut, but I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that it sounds like practically your entire career has been spent in management. Did you, did you, did you have any significant on air time? Uh, I, I did quite a bit on air in, well, obviously in San Jose and, uh, and, and Seattle, um, both times when I was in, both times when I was in Seattle, though the latter time I was, you know, more, more in management, but, uh, I always, I always kept an on air role. But, uh, you, you know, certainly by the time I got to Los Angeles and everything, then it was in a purely in a management role. But it was good to have been 
to have done it. You know, it was good to have worked as a reporter. It was good to have worked as an anchor. It was good to have worked as an editor because, uh, you know, I, I think it enhances your credibility as a manager because you've actually done the job. I may not have been the greatest, but I mean, I, in my mind, I was. Well, not only credibility, <laughs> but it helps you understand what uh, those people are doing and uh, how they're going about exactly. it and how you can help them out and all that. Um, I skipped my very first question. We kind of got into that a little bit, understanding your uh, lack of a daily uh, relationship with radio at this point. But do you think this technology and radio as we've known it in terms of formats and all that, uh, is it is it dead? Is radio dead? Well, if it's not dead, it's at least circling the drain, at least the radio that you and I kind of grew up with. And I think unless we stop diluting ourselves and create completely new products and innovative delivery systems that appeal not to us, that's what's so important. You know, I always program for people like me, but I can't do that anymore or I shouldn't do that anymore. You have to program to the youngest generation. And if you don't do that, the terrestrial radio will disappear. And it may still. Uh, We may have to redefine what we call radio. Is that primarily a function of the technology changes? I mean, uh, you know, broadcasting through the airwaves from a transmitter out in the, you know, back 40 is really does seem kind of old fashioned at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it all, it all ties together, uh, because, um, you know, I, I think of my own expectations. I really like having everything on my phone. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like being able to get it on my phone. And if I want to, I can put what's on my phone on in my car and, uh, you know, or I can put it on in the house. I can do whatever I want to do with that little computer that I'm carrying around in my pocket. And, uh, you know, we spend a sizable amount of money on our phones uh, to, to have that capability. I only see that growing and being enhanced. Um, and, you know, so... So why? I mean, I, I think the most important thing is to look at the, you know, younger and younger people and get an idea of how they're using radio. You know, my framework is that of a, you know, is that of a baby boomer. But, you know, we're in we're in our 70s. Right. Um, you know, we, we can't really program to, to, to baby boomers. And um, and. I mean, even if you start looking at some of the other generations, the youngest Gen Xer is in their 40s. Right. Uh, You know, the youngest millennial is nearing 30, and you can't trust anybody over 30, right? (laughs) I mean, in my mind, we need to start looking at people like the Gen Zs. You know, these are like my grandkids. They're 13 to 24, somewhere in that range. Right. And future radio needs to be designed with their likes and wants and habits in mind. And radio is just not part of their habit at all. I'd like to ask you about uh, uh, deregulation. Okay. <laughs> that's 1981. That's, that's when uh, the FCC said, okay, you can have as you companies can have as many radio stations as you want. Oh, maybe uh, we'll limit you to five or six in one town or something like that. And that was completely, completely radical um, at the, at the time, I guess back in the early seventies, I was working for RKO, which was the largest radio corporation in the world. They had 13 stations, <laughs> 13. And, uh, now it's no holds barred and you've got corporations that own 300, 400 stations. And, uh, the, the whole, uh, 
whole approach has changed. Uh, well, but it's, I mean, it's, it's been disastrous. I mean, uh, to me, you know, you know, in 90, what, 84 and 96, the two different times when, you know, the, the, the caps kept getting, kept getting changed. It's been disastrous. And the consolidators took on this insane amount of debt, billions of dollars. Um, and, you know, and two big companies, uh, iHeart and Cumulus, you know, ha- have had to restructure billions of dollars of debt. And now, you know, if you look in the news, Odyssey, um, is, negotiating or whatever, begging, I don't know what they do, uh, the terms of their bankruptcy right now. But the end result, it means that there's, what, 11,000 radio stations in the country? I mean, roughly, give or take. And that means, you know, with Odyssey, when Odyssey goes bankrupt, which seems inevitable, 14% of the radio stations in the country will be operating under the cloud of bankruptcy. And, I'll, you know, and most of those stations are in, you know, major, large, and medium markets, and not so much in the in the in the in the smaller markets. And so, you know, the end result is that's not a climate for innovation. That's not a climate for uh, you know creating new products and new approaches. It um, it's a it's a it's a it's a climate for hanging on for dear life. I I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm also uh, I'm also thinking you know people in in our in our business, uh, frequently you hear these days somebody say, well, the, uh, you know, the corporation's radio is all run by the bean counters these days. Uh, I would add, yeah, probably even more than that, it's run by the lawyers that the corporation has. And it, a great deal of the actual functioning on a local level and the day-to-day operation of radio stations is done in fear uh, of, of uh, you know, somebody saying the wrong thing or putting the wrong putting the wrong picture on the website or, uh, you know, getting, getting their, their, their personal, uh, getting, getting problems in, in their personal files and so forth. Well, I think the fear, I, I, I think the fear ties into, it ties into the consolidation in the fact that consolidation has created an environment where we have cookie cutter, radio stations yeah so instead of having a diverse group of local stations appealing to the people who live in that particular market you've got cookie cutter stations and i'm not just talking about news and talk formats but you've also got the same thing with music formats where it's devoid of personality minimal talking um, and, um, and, and pretty much the same thing. So the sad thing is, you know, I can, I can use my smart speaker. I don't want to say her name again. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can use my smart speaker and, uh, I could dial up any radio station I want, right. but I don't have any great urge to do it because I don't think I'm going to hear anything different than I'm going to hear locally. So you've got the consolidation creating that. I also think the ratings methodology has contributed to that too. Because back in the old days, in the old days, we used diaries, and people, you know, and many broadcasters hated diaries. And you know, the big flaw with diaries was the fact that it was based on your recall, so it had a lot to do with how well you marketed your brand or presented your image of the radio station to listeners. So sometimes people that uh, worked at the second favorite radio station uh, would complain that. 
you know, their listening wasn't being counted because people say, oh, yeah, well, I turned on WXYZ and um, and that's what I listened to all morning when it was really found that people would listen to, you know, maybe five radio stations throughout the morning, but the other ones weren't getting credit. But now with the people meters where, you know, and while there are flaws and problems with the sample sizes and, and, and all of that, there's always a problem with everything. But uh, now you're getting a, theoretically a more accurate reading. But one of the things that that has done is created an environment where, okay, we can see this is the easiest way to manipulate an audience. You take breaks at precisely this time so that you carry, you, you maximize the number of minutes that you can, you can, you know, create quarter hour credit and, and, and all of that. And so, you know, what's happened is that, you know, nothing, nothing is different. You know, it's the safest thing to do is to do what everybody else does. Um, and, you know, if you were to, you know, upend the, you know, buck the trend, do something different, work with some sort of radically different clock, you know, I, 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 I think that's going to fall apart. And plus we fight to cram in way too many commercials. Yeah. On one of the big appeals, you know, to me is to, you know, uh, of, of the podcast is to, you know, I don't mind hearing a few commercials, especially ones done by the host and their right. own style and kind of relating to the, you know, the topic of whatever I'm listening to, you know, versus hearing, you know, I mean, my God, the, you know, my last station, we'd run over 20 minutes of commercials an hour. You know, that's that's a third of the hour. And no matter how creative and how much you hide it and tuck it away and put it in places, that's too, too many commercials. Yeah. You know what I really miss? Um, I guess this really hit me when I got here to Dallas. Although if I stopped and thought about it, it probably been going on for some time. And that is uh, when I, when I got into the business, uh, I was, I was very young and I was a, you know, top 40 disc jockey. And that was, that was when life was great in, uh, in radio and, and everything else. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, all my, all my young uh, colleagues, we're all in our late teens and early twenties and we would go in and we'd do our shift and we'd get in there and hang out together. And they sometimes kind of had to like throw us out of the radio station. Right. Well, that was okay. Cause we would, we'd go over to somebody's apartment and we'd get in there and we'd listen to air checks from the guys in the bigger markets. And we'd talk about the craft and how to do this and how to say that and what's a better way of it. And we had these conversations going on all the time because of our passion for the business. I haven't seen any of that in at least, well, I would say 30 years or 40 years, but then most of that has been in major markets where people just, you know, pretty well are, are settled into their ways. But, but even trying to start a conversation these days, with young broadcasters, people who are relatively new to the business, you just don't find that interest in uh, how can I get better? How can I do this better? You know, the passion is gone. And, and maybe that's got a lot to do with everything else we've d discussed at this point. I mean, you meet certain individuals that are, uh, are, are clearly determined um, and, 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 and maybe highly focused on their careers and you can see them, um, doing the best that they can, but I don't see them having the, you know, what I always thought was a, a nice traditional route, which was to work in smaller markets yeah. and be surrounded by 
professionals in that market who would share their, you know, not only just their skills, but kind of their radio ethics with you, right. uh, where you would kind of, where you would, you know, together you'd learn the craft and you had an opportunity to make, you had an opportunity to make some mistakes on a playing field that was a little bit smaller. Um, so that, uh, you know, I mean, if you made some of those mistakes in a major market, uh, you know, it'd be your last day, it'd be your, your last day on the air or your days would be numbered. And, uh, and, and, and on top of it in the, in the, in the biggest markets, you know, how do you, how do you necessarily get on the air? You know, I, 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 I wasn't going to hire somebody who had never been on the air, you know, first, I mean, first of all, they need to be in the union and, you know, there's, there's so many different things that I couldn't just say, Oh my God, Dave Williams just keeled over in his chair. Go on in there, kid. Show us what you can do. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, you just couldn't do it. And so uh, it was, it was tough. Well, I'll tell you what, cha- times have changed in, in all that respect too. And uh, I, I spent a little time in Chicago a few years ago and uh, we had young people working for the station doing, uh, doing writing and they were coming, I was sure coming straight out of Northwestern university, the J, J school there, you know, great college, but uh, they were getting on the air and not only at our station, but at other stations in Chicago, uh, as their first jobs. <laughs> and, and, and you say, well, you know, they had a, a lot of great uh, mentors. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Uh, but I, I can tell you right now, from my own personal experience here in Dallas, I can listen to the radio station, any radio station, and I listen and I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, you know, you got three or four guys, they're talking to each other, they're not talking to the audience, they're talking about something goofy that happened over the weekend, they're not focused on sports or whatever it is they're supposed to be doing. Well, don't these people have any guidance? And I've found in in a lot of cases, no, they don't. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. And in in, in many cases, the program directors didn't have the guidance themselves. Right. So, uh, you know, you're, it's, it's, it, it's kind of a building sort of problem. And, you know, more often than not, what happens is, you know, and regardless of the format, people are just told, just shut up, just do it. You know, don't, don't push the envelope, just read this, you know, and, 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 and that's one of the reasons I think, you know, that's one of the ways we've devalued AM radio stations is that we have, um, uh, you, you know, stopped, you know, stop, you know, presenting product of any sort of value. And if, if we've just determined, okay, this is a place for brokered programming and recorded syndicated shows and, and foreign language programming. Bonus and, spots from the big brother. You know, or, 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 you know horrible sports betting things or, or something like that. And so the, you know, the end result is, you know, these stations, when they, once great radio stations sell for a fraction of their value. And uh, I really worry that at some point in time, people will decide that uh, uh, it's more valuable to run some sort of cell phone service or something like that on the AM spectrum. And, you know, we lose it all together. So. Yeah. Well, we're, I guess we're starting to sound like a couple of farts. I know. And I never really wanted to, uh, uh, I, I never really wanted to sound like that um, because, um, you know, I think um, I was fortunate. I, I think I kind of 
you know, I, I worked through, I, I think, one of the last golden ages of radio, the 80s. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was there was the will and there was the money and the desire to build great teams and to build great radio stations. And the latter part of my career, I found that I was mostly being asked to do more with fewer people. And I was being asked questions like, do we really need business news or do we really need sports? And, you know, so you were spending your time just hanging on. Um, you weren't building anything. You were just kind of hanging on, trying to save jobs, trying to save the services that you thought your listeners wanted. Okay. Do you have any uh, final word? Do you have any uh, advice for people? I run into these people once in a while and go, uh, you know, young people. 20s, 30s, and they go, oh, man, I'd love to get in radio. And I look at him like, no. Listen, son, if you if you were my son, if you were my grandson, I'd have to uh, give you some some different <laughs> advice here at this point. There's no, there's no future in this business, is there? Well, I don't know. One part of me thinks that there always is going to be a need for on on-demand audio that I can – turn on in some form and listen to it. I'm beginning to feel like it won't necessarily be stick broadcasting or terrestrial broadcasting because I don't think it's, it has what, you know, it's instantly accessible, but it's not time shiftable and it's not fast. And for the most part, it's not fun. And uh, if you look, you know, when I was talking earlier about those really young listeners, you know, they, the Gen Zs, uh, basically, you know, what they want. I mean, if you look at what they consume, they consume YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. And interestingly, the fifth most common thing that they consume is Twitter, which really surprised me. But they, they do it to stay up to date with news and follow some celebrity trends and things like that. But the other things are, you know, are short form, diverse content, uh, videos, games, and it's and it all, all shapes pop culture. So I think I would advise those people, and I have been for a long time, is to get into some form of audio broadcasting, but don't necessarily, I mean, casting, but don't necessarily feel that you're going to be doing it on, on a radio. And, and perhaps... You know, perhaps one of the things that the AM band could become would be more of a digital distribution service so that I could get my signal to my phone or whatever the device of the future might be. And I could get a selection of time shiftable programs that I could I could put on my phone and maybe it gets to me over over the AM band. Um, I two more thoughts about what you just said there. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, you're talking about. Uh, things being on demand. And of course, that's, uh, that's something that's, uh, most popular right now. And I, as a matter of fact, I have a, I have a good friend. I think you know him, but I'm going to, I'm going to save him till I actually talk to him. But he, uh, he told me, I said, whatever happened to live and local? Nobody seems to care about that anymore, as a, at least at the corporate level. He says, listeners don't care anymore about live and local. He said, listeners want on demand. And that was a little bit stunning to me. What do you think? Um, you know, I, I think live and local is a little bit of a, 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 a 
it might be a little bit manufactured because it sounds good. It sounds good promotionally. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the times I really need radio to be a lot to live is when it's, there's a, some sort of an emergency. So, um, especially uh, if it's local, especially, if, well, yeah, obviously if it's, if, if, if it's, you know, when I talk about an emergency, I only mean local because if it's not, yeah. if it's not local, it's not really an emergency. Right. Um, I mean, to be in the coldest sense. Uh, so I need that information, but how often are you in an emergency? So, you know, if there is some sort of method for you to be able to get, you know, on demand, on demand news or information in an emergency, you know, I think people will seek that out. But I think for their regular listening, they, they don't necessarily need it. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways having the convenience of being time shiftable that I can, I can put it on when I want. I can stop it when I want. I can go back to it. Right. Um, is, uh, you know, is, is, is more important. I mean, I, 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 it was, it was funny. I was talking to my daughter about their family listening habits. Um, and, um, she's 45 and she used to listen to the radio sometimes when she would drive to work and she'd listen to NPR, but she stopped doing that. They um, they don't have a radio in the house. They uh, listen to music, I, I think, on Apple Music over their TV or something like that. Um, and um, and my uh, my daughter could only think of the time that my granddaughter would seek out a radio station is around Christmas time when stations are playing Christmas music. She would insist that her mother put it on in the car. And she said mostly to torture us. Uh, so, <laughs> but I, what I thought was interesting is, you know, this girl knew that Christmas music was available on a radio station, at, you know, at a certain time of the year, and she could get exactly the product that she wanted for whatever her, you know, malicious purpose was, <laughs> uh, if it was just to annoy her family. But, uh, um, you know, so I, you know, I, I think they will seek it out if, uh, if, if we can provide it. But I, I just don't, I just don't see radio as we know it overcoming the, the problems that are presented by, um, uh, uh are presented by, um, uh, the, um, the various streaming services. Now, that being said, the one thing that I tend to miss, you know, you know, and certainly I have trouble listening to any sort of music stream for the same reason I had trouble listening to CDs or something like that in my car is I had nobody talking to me and I miss the human contact. And so, and, and even terrestrial radio that's drifted away, even in the largest markets, you don't have people talking to you like like they used to. Uh, you know, I, I remember learning tons about music from uh, um, you know KMET and, um, and 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 KPPC here in Los Angeles. You know, back in the in the sixties and seventies and everything like that. And they would go on. You know, it, it, it was absolutely fascinating. But nobody would do a show like that anymore. You know, I mean, there was a guy who would play the 
you know, old blues roots of rock music, you know, and, 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 and really give you a, a history lesson on blues music, uh, and how it all tied into the rock music that we loved at the time. And, um, but you just wouldn't get that now, but you might get it on a podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm with you, man. I'm with you in terms of, as I said, I'm still in the business and yet for the most part, all I listen to are podcasts. I could even get in trouble for saying that. Uh, I do listen to some uh, sports talk when mm-hmm. it's when it's regarding you know local team that's of interest to me. But uh, yeah, you know it's like uh, why should I listen to a music station when I've got six thousand songs in my phone, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The right. songs that I chose. So I and don't know. You, and if you want someone else to curate it for you, then you can go to satellite radio. Right. Like right. that, still have, you know, a minimal to no commercials. Yeah. Well, I think you touched on the most important part. We'll let it go there, but uh, that is that uh, you know the human contact aspect, something that we're losing a lot in all all sorts of facets of modern day life. I mean, they are really putting together um, hamburger joints like McDonald's, where uh, there will there'll be no people working in there. You just go in and you push buttons, and your hamburger pops out, and off you go. I know, but the kiosks are so confusing for us old people. Yeah, right. right. I just want a cheeseburger. Come on. <laughs> Don't make it so hard. I, I went out one time to a McDonald's with a young friend of mine, and I'm staring at this kiosk, and he goes, oh, come on. And he reaches up and punches in all the, the appropriate responsibility. Well, I'm sorry. That's just silly. I mean, the, the girl is standing there at the counter six feet away. I'm going to go tell her what I want still. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hi, man. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Good talking to you. Glad to see you're, uh, you're looking good and hale and hearty. There he is, the great Andy Ludlam, radio master. He truly is, and I'm proud to say he's my friend. Coming up on Conversations.buzz, I will have more conversations with radio masters such as Jack Swanson, David G. Hall, Greg Tantum. And if I can get him to stop driving around the country for an hour or so, Tom Langmire. And as we like to say in radio and more, I'm Dave Williams. Thanks.